Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be with you. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am my Father. You are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. O God, you have made of one blood all the peoples of the earth and sent your Son to preach peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. Grant that people everywhere may seek after you and find you. Bring the nations into your fold. Pour out your Spirit upon all of us. Hasten the coming of your kingdom through Jesus Christ our Thank you, Weston. I, I hope that you took opportunity to really dig into that question. I think it'll pay off for you. For me, it was in Haiti in 2012. I've probably talked about this before, and, and if you know me, um, then, uh, then I've probably <laughs> talked about this before. If you've been to my house, you've seen several different items, physical items that I have placed throughout my house that remind me of the moment where I could answer this question. When was a time in my life where I believed in Jesus more than I ever have before? I was in a country surrounded by people in Haiti who, I will use this word, not in a mystical way, although some would believe that, but in just a, a way. <laughs> They're cursed. But this is what I mean by that. Geographically, they are in one of the worst places you can be on the planet Earth. You understand this. That's why they have earthquakes and hurricanes in Haiti. It's because where the country sits on the planet is in a really bad spot to be in. So over earthquake and earthquake, all of a sudden your infrastructure falls apart, jobs are lost because there's nothing to do except move rubble, right? So therefore, they are economically cursed. They're poor, super poor. Like, if you drove here, you're what you're you're way richer than anyone there. Seriously. But but here I was in, in this this place that is geographically cursed, economically cursed, and therefore politically cursed. A mess, an absolute mess. We think we have it bad, right? It is a mess in Haiti, a mess, and it has been forever. They're cursed. But did you know that they still have churches there? <laughs> did you know that people who literally have nothing can have everything in Christ Jesus? And this is what I saw. This is what I saw with my own eyes. If anyone ever walks up to you one day and says, would you like to go to a mission trip in Haiti 
you better go. I'll pay for it. I'm serious. It'll change the whole way you view this world and how you view life and what you think it means to be a Christian, what do you think it means to believe. It will revolutionize how you see this planet and how you see yourself. And so there I was um, around a group of people that literally had nothing except for the fact that they had everything in Christ. You know, they still go to church. They sing a lot louder than we do. Because they're really happy. I would argue that they really believed. Otherwise, why celebrate anything? This nation is cursed. People who had nothing had everything in Christ. Now, my guess for you is, is that if you were really able to locate that time in your life, like, like I always go back to, my guess is that in those moments of your life, in that season of your life, maybe it was just that day, maybe it was just that hour, could have been a service or a mission trip that you've been on, when you believed in God more than you ever have before, I would argue this, that there was also more peace in your life than there ever was before. I would also present to you that maybe this was a time in your life where you were most willing to live against the grain. Is anyone picking up on this terminology I'm using? Maybe you were most willing to engage everything in this world as something that is good, because it was created that way. Maybe you were most willing in that moment in your life to do, and that your belief in Jesus, which was at its peak, you were most willing to show people that by actually living that and being a living representation of what you believed and what we prayed earlier this morning in the Apostles' Creed. Now, I'm going to have another question <laughs> in just a moment, but I would also uh, present to you this, and it's our thought of the day, that that same belief is also a loving the last four weeks, we've talked about how believing is peaceful. Believing is a life lived against the grain. Believing is engaging the good. Believing is doing. And this morning, we're going to talk about how believing is loving. So hopefully you're still there. Wherever you were, whenever you were believing in Jesus the most, I would also present to you that you are probably loving Jesus the most. Of course I could believe in Jesus when I saw the same kind of church, a, a Nazarene church in Haiti, a country that is cursed on every level you could imagine. The joint was packed, <laughs> and there were roosters there too, which was kind of interesting. And, uh, and they were peaceful. They were living life against the grain. They were engaging all things with the perspective of goodness. They... They served people, and they did, and they loved. So be honest here. Here's my, my next question. Is what happened to us? Because we don't look like Haiti, and if you've been there, you know that. We don't look like Cuba. We don't look like Africa. We don't look like churches that are on fire in a metaphorical sense. People who have nothing 
have everything. <laughs> but what happened to us? Because we were there, and if you were able to answer that question that I just posed to you, honestly, you had a point in your life where you could have said, that is when I believed, that is when I loved the most, that's when I was at the most peace, that's when I was most willing to be against the grain, that's when I was most willing to engage all things with the perspective of goodness, and yet, where is our peace today? Where is our willingness to live a life against the grain today? Where is our willingness to do? Where is our love? Where is the love? So this morning, I want to lay out three things for us, three different phrases that I'm going to give us, and they serve multiple purposes, so tune in to which one you need to hear this morning. If you find yourself at a place where you are not at that level of belief and love that you had been before, then I would present this list of three things to you, three things that can really help you get back and get your groove back. I would argue this, that three things we have forgotten have gotten us to this point where we are at a, such a more less place than where we have been before. If that's you, then tune in for the purposes of understanding that a refocus on this can get you back to where you once were. Maybe you have no idea what we have been doing this entire morning. There's always someone here that visits us and gives us a try. Man, it is such a big deal to try out a church for the first time. My goodness, such a big deal. See, most of us were just dragged to it when we were kids, and so this is all we know. But there are some people who don't have that privilege of getting dragged to church. And so maybe that's you this morning. There's always someone here, at least one, who that's, that's you. I, w I would present this to you, that if you are even wondering, even remotely, what it would mean to believe, what, what we do here at Joliet First, I would offer you to interact with these list of three things as new material, new information, and information that if you accept and, and really dive in and absorb it for yourself, that, that you could be at a place of belief like all of us cuckoo birds are. <laughs> and, and maybe you're somewhere in the middle, right? There's always a middle where you kind of really feel like you're, when you're, you're praying, when you're reading your Bible, you're showing up here, you're in a community group, and you're really just digging into to the life of this church. You know, did you know that we, like the mission of this church, to leave the edges of the field and to seek and invest and be restored, and to you know, that's, this is kind of just what we're understanding that Jesus is calling us to anyways. So maybe you're there, maybe you're really digging in when we talk about what it would mean to seek and invest and be restored and to be sent back out. Maybe you're really eating all of that up. And if that's you this morning, praise God. I'm not saying that we're all in some sinking ship, right? But I would offer this list of three things to you as a way to maintain that, is to keep that flame going, because sometimes we run out of gas again, right? I had a monstrous bonfire at my house on Thursday night. A couple of our young adults were there, and, uh, and the, the wood was the fuel, right? But at some point, the wood is gone. So if may, maybe you need some more fuel this morning to really maintain the life that you have really been living into, the life that has hopefully given you more purpose in life, praise God, the, the life that has restored you, if, if you are wanting to maintain that, I would offer this list of three things to you. They're going to be short, but I think they'll be meaningful. So wherever you need to tune in this morning, the first one is that we have forgotten or, right, we need to re-remember 
our original purpose, our original purpose. And, and this really falls on two levels this morning, us as individuals and then us as the church, the, the church universal that has existed for hundreds of years. So I, I first want to touch on um, our original purpose as individuals, as individual human beings that have been created. And we go back to when the first person just kind of popped up, right? We go to Genesis 1, not Genesis 2. We go to Genesis 1, where God created everything to be good. And there was a garden, and there was Adam and Eve, and, and we don't know how long they lived in the garden before Genesis 2, right? But this is what that garden was like. This was the original plan and mission that God had for human beings. Are you with me? To enjoy life, to enjoy each other, and to enjoy God. Emphasis on the word enjoy, a sub-emphasis, um, if, if you really know your scripture, we would arguably still be naked. Which is such an outlandish concept. If you would really be honest, it's such an outlandish concept to understand that if there was no sin in the world, that we would arguably still be naked. Well, why? Because there wouldn't be any lust, right? There wouldn't be any, like, this weird, like, desire, you know, this, this forbidden fruit and this stuff. Like, no knowledge. Just enjoying life, enjoying each other, and walking with God. Enjoying God. Walking with God in a garden in the cool of the day. This is the original purpose for people. It's in the Bible. Genesis 1. But instead, this is where we're at. We toil. We worry. We poke. We prod. We protest. That is not garden living. I will be having a special on HGTV where I will be talking about garden living. What happened? We can turn to the scripture and we, we know what happened between, between Genesis 1 and Revelation whatever. We, we, we can point to this, but the, the crazy thing about this book is that we are in here somewhere and Revelation hasn't happened yet which means that the story still goes on. There isn't an end to this, and there isn't an end to us. Eternal means eternal. So what happened? How can we get back? I would present to you that possibly we have forgotten what it would be mean to be an individual, a garden individual, or we talk about the church now. The church that gathers all over the world that started in what we call Acts chapter 2, we've got the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Jesus dies on the cross, he is buried into a tomb on the third day, he rose again, and then he uh, you know, went down into uh, death and defeated it, praise God, and then he, he rose back from there and revealed to himself to his friends for about 40 days, and he ascended into heaven, and in that moment where he's ascending, where he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, he says these words, wait for my Holy Spirit. And when it comes to you, you will be able to be my witnesses, and you will be able to be the church as I have designed it to be. 
And in Acts chapter 2, starting at around verse 41 or 42, we read that the church at the beginning, like humans were at the beginning, was a spirit-led community that talked about Jesus. They hung out, they ate together, and they met each other's needs. And they prayed. End of story. This is the church that God, by his Holy Spirit, empowered the early apostles, the early disciples, to be and to do, because God doesn't create on accident. He doesn't have a plan B. He does it right the first time, amen. And so people really lived into that, led by the Spirit, talked about Jesus, they prayed, they hung out. That's why tonight we're having a community hangout. I would invite you to that. They met needs, but instead, where is the church today? It's a social club. I, I, I listened to a megachurch pastor. His name is Matt Chandler. They're down in the Dallas-Fort Worth metro area. About 12,000 people between five different locations, five different buildings. And uh, so one would think that if there is a, you know, a pastor of you know, 12,000 people, that they've just really got it nailed down, right? And that everyone who goes there is a full-fledged, obedient disciple, there's no issues, you know, no one's complaining about, we need to get this or get rid of this or get this. So Matt Chandler is speaking in front of his congregation. At the time, there's probably 1,500 or 2,000 people in the room. In the room. And uh, he says, you know, <laughs> he says, you know, one of you came up, came up to me the other day and said, wouldn't it be cool if we got a rock wall in the children's wing? If you want your own club with your own rock wall, then you do what the little rascals did and you form the He-Man Women Haters Club. And you set, listen, you set your own rules and you set your own boundaries and you do whatever you want. But isn't that what the church has become? Joliet first is my church? It's our church? That's not an Acts 2 church. It's not a social club. It's not a museum. You can take that however you want to. It's not a museum. We have forgotten our original purpose. Most of you have probably not heard of Reed Hastings. In the year 2000, he was the CEO of a $50 million company called Netflix. Now, $50 million in the high corporate world is chump change. It's chump change. My wife and I, Ty and I, have a small business called Create on Purpose. We are currently $4.23 in the profit. Praise God. Hallelujah. That is how much we're worth. Netflix was worth $50 million. There's a difference. A little bit. Reed Hastings, CEO of Netflix, goes to the CEO of Blockbuster, who you can't even name anymore, and he says, Reed says, I've got this idea. I, I kind of feel like in the way technology, you know, now that the world hasn't ended in the year 2000, um, th that we're going to progress technologically and that people maybe are going to get sick of driving to Blockbuster and maybe instead they would want DVDs mailed to their house. They watch it at their own convenience when they're done. They put it back in the mail. It gets sent back. We send them another one. Boom, boom, boom. Everyone's happy. And what did the guy at Blockbuster say? Nah, pass. Fifteen years later, Blockbuster goes out of business. As of last quarter, 
Netflix is worth over $35 billion. And Blockbuster, there might be some vacant Blockbuster buildings out there still. I don't know. Why did that happen? Because Blockbuster forgot their original purpose. They entered into the marketplace as a home entertainment provider. They left the marketplace and died in the marketplace as a movie rental place. They forgot their original purpose. There's a song by a band called The Head and the Heart. You will not hear them on K-Love, sorry. There is a song called All We Ever Knew. I want to read you the lyrics. They actually give a nod to an Old Testament scripture that they probably didn't even realize. We've been here before. Don't drag me through this again. We have tried everything under the sun. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Now I'm trying to wake up from this. I'm trying to make up for it. You don't see why you would. There's no love to give. Well, what goes around comes around. I know sometimes you get so caught in a dream, but now it's time to wake up from this. Here's the best part. It's the bridge of the song. I'm feeling low. I'm feeling high. I'm feeling down. Why isn't this enough? Because all we ever do is all we ever know. Number two, we have forgotten or we need to re-dig into who we are. During our time of contemplative prayer, I read uh, John 14, verses 15 through 21 as reference if you'd like to go back to that. That is our scripture this morning. Jesus says this, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Here is why we highlighted the word not instead of orphan. <laughs> is because we are orphans. If we're going to redig into who we are, we need to understand that we are frivolous humans that have a creator that are in need of an advocate, just like orphans today in foster care and in orphanages all over the world. They are in need of an advocate. They are in need of a better option. They are in need of a savior, a redeemer, a forgiver, just like us. We need to remember that we are orphans, but praise God, Jesus will not leave us that way. We need to remember this. We need to re-understand who we are, what we have become, and we need to re-believe that Jesus will not leave us that way. I'm going to repeat that for you note-takers out there. We need to re-understand who we are, what we have become, and re-believe that Jesus will not leave us that way. He will not leave us as orphans, but he will come to us. We're going to talk about that in just a moment, what that means for us this morning. But the third thing is this. We've talked about our original purpose. We've talked about who we are. And our third is we have forgotten or need to re-dig into how to love is number three. How to love. More importantly, how to love Jesus, the person that we talk about most of the time here at Joliet First Church. 
John 14, 21 says, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. This is what Jesus is saying to those he's talking to. He's also saying that to us. Whoever has my commands, whoever, so whoever knows them, right? Whoever is aware of my commands and keeps them, and keeps them, is the one who loves me. And so Jesus very clearly spells out what it means to love him. Have his commands, you know his commands, and you keep his commands. Now I want to talk about the word command for just a minute. Because surely we are more than dogs who get told to sit and stand and speak and shake, right? Surely we are. I feel like there are two broad categories that we can place commands into. Commands that we get from Scripture. Hopefully you don't think this is heretical. I would argue this, that there are can't-do commands and get-to-do commands. And I'm going to talk about the difference between the two of those. So I would say that there are can't-do commands. We generally refer to those as thou shalt nots, right? There are the, uh, there are the uh, Ten Commandments. And there, uh, you know, we've got the Sermon on the Mount, which is a collection of teachings that Jesus gives where he said, you've heard it this, but I'm going to kick it up a notch. You shouldn't really do this either. There is a full list of can't-do commands, and all you would have to do is kind of do this and then say, stop. And you would be bound to find a can't-do command on that page of Scripture. But there is a whole abundant array of get to do commands, not can do, we have the privilege of doing these things that we find in scripture, we just need to look at scripture through a different lens. If this is a book of can't do's, I want nothing to do with it, and you probably honestly don't really either, right? If this is a book of things that tells me what I can't do, I am not interested in that. But what I want to tell you this morning is that there is a whole bunch of stuff going on in here real things that we believe and and proclaim every Sunday and when we meet together in our homes and hang out and eat together and meet each other's needs that can give you life to the full. A life of abundance, which Jesus says is actually why he came was, was not to steal, kill, and destroy, but to give us life that we may have it to the full. Remember when he said that? Can't do versus get to do. Love money, not really supposed to do that. But what we get to do is we get to love God more than ever. We get to love God. Do you understand that there are gods that are worshipped and prayed to all around the world, and the kind of doctrine and thinking is that those gods are unapproachable? Do you understand that? Do you understand that there are millions and millions, billions of people who believe in gods that are different than ours, but those gods are unapproachable. They are unlovable because there are walls built up around these deities. And so the people who worship those gods just become pawns and slaves to a whole different level. But do you understand that we get to love God? Do you understand that we get to feel his love in return? So yeah, we're not really supposed to love money, but we get to love God. We're not really supposed to live a life of eye for an eye, retaliation, vengeance, but we get to be forgiven to the degree that we forgive others. The implications of this are enormous. 
because there certainly are beliefs. Maybe you believe in this room that you have done so many things that you cannot be forgiven. I would ask you this. Are you a forgiving person yourself? Sometimes. Thanks for talking about that. I, I really, I need this. Because someone's listening. That's what that means. Do you understand that we have an opportunity and a privilege to be forgiven to the degree that we forgive? That is, in, that is incredible. So yeah, we, we can't really live selfishly. We, we can't really just kind of go off and do whatever we want. But, but what we get to do is what Jesus says. He says, abide in me. Live with me. Commune with me. Walk in the garden in the cool of the day with me. Enjoy this life I've given you. Enjoy each other and enjoy me. We get to do this. Do you understand? We get to do this. If you live a life that is focused on the can't-dos, you're never going to get off that list. You want to know why? Because it's impossible. It's impossible to do correctly all of the can't-dos. You understand this. It is impossible to do that. Why is it impossible? Because we're imperfect humans. So then what do we need? A Savior. We need some kind of a spirit, some kind of an entity that can meet us where we are on this earth and help us along in life. If we live in to the can-dos, the get-to-dos, then the can't-dos become things that we don't even think about because we're too busy loving God and loving each other and loving our neighbor as ourselves. We're too busy doing that so we don't have to worry about that we can't listen to certain things and say certain things and believe in certain things. What kind of an existence is that? Not a fun one at all. And it's inescapable, brother. It's inescapable. If you live a life that is consumed and focused on things that you cannot do, believe me when I say you are never going to get out of that lifestyle unless you do a 180 and you fix your eyes on the cross. The one who can restore your life out of the pit, who can heal all of your illnesses, who can lead you beside quiet waters and refresh your soul, who can give you purpose that you have never dreamed of having before. Our belief, the belief that we have been talking about is marked by our We need to re-dig into and relearn what it would mean to love Jesus. And we're talking about belief in this series, what it would actually mean to be what we call a Christian, is to believe. Our belief is marked by our love, and our love is living into the get-to-dos. Our belief is marked by our love, and our love is marked by living into the get-to-dos. And I would encourage you, when you open up the gospel accounts this week in your time of quiet time and your devotional time, as you read the red letters in scripture, the words of Jesus, try to put on a lens of what is God giving me the opportunity to do? I promise you it'll change your life. It'll absolutely change your life. There are some of us in this room, probably right now, who might be a little nervous. 
Pastor Seth, I've, I've never really understood that, that there is an opportunity for me to turn away from a life of focusing on the can't-dos and that there's an actual opportunity for me to live into a life of get-to-dos. Maybe you're a little bit nervous and weary about approaching and living into a life such as that. Maybe you're one of someone in this room. There's all Every single week there is someone in this room who has not made that first-time commitment, decision to live into a life of relationship with the God that we were able to talk about this morning, one that wants to walk with you, to be your comforter, your advocate. I don't know where you land this morning. But if there's any bit of nerve in you, if there's any bit of worry in you, if there is any type of anxiety, if there is any type of feelings of insufficiency or incapability, I want to remind you of what Jesus tells us this morning, that I have sent to you an advocate, and he is the spirit of truth. Now, don't really get hung up on the word advocate. Because if you were to talk to a lot of scholars today, they would tell you that that word advocate in the original language is one of the most untranslatable words in scripture. We cannot even begin to realize what the Holy Spirit is for us and can be for us if we choose to receive the Holy Spirit. So don't get hung up really on advocate, but just know this, that there is a spirit that God wants to provide you, and that spirit is himself. That spirit of the God who created us in, in a beautiful image, created us good, created us to enjoy him, enjoy life, enjoy each other. If that is what you're wanting this morning, perhaps for the first time, I really want you to let us know. And there's a way that you can do that in a very discreet way um, that we can follow up with you in a more private setting. But there's a next step card that you all received when you walked in on that long rectangular um, paper. We call it our worship card, our worship folder. There is a next step card on the back of the connect card. You, you're able to tear it off, and in just a moment, we're going to uh, collect the morning's investments for the church. And if you are investing in your relationship with Christ, we want you to tell us. There is a next step that all of you can take this morning by checking a box and letting us know that you want your belief to be marked by the love that you have. If that is a next step, that is an investment that you are willing to make in your walk and relationship with Jesus, I would ask you to, to fill that out. Go ahead and, you know, look. <laughs> Laura, you were looking at me. Go ahead and look at the next step card if you're interested in getting plugged in. Uh, here at Joliet First, if you want to let us know that you want to re-explore your relationship with Jesus, um, then go ahead and let us know. We will look at these tomorrow morning and follow up with you, come alongside you and ask, how can we help serve you in this new commitment that you're making? And if you're in this room, maybe you've been here before, maybe it's your first time, wherever you land this morning, if you have yet to say, you know what, I'm going to do the 180, I'm going to commit myself to something different. That doesn't mean I have to quit my job. It doesn't mean I have to stop listening to my favorite kinds of music. It, it doesn't mean that I have to stop hanging out with certain people. It just, it just means that there is an advocate there for you, someone to kind of wipe away the, the mistakes of your past and say, hey, 
You just want to walk with me in the cool of the day in this beautiful garden where you get to enjoy life, enjoy each other, and enjoy me. If you have yet to commit yourself to a life like that, and you want to do that for the first time this morning, I invite you to. You know, something that Joliet First has been doing for the last month, month and a half or so, uh, is, is we have been praying that, that about something that God has laid on um, our pastoral staff's heart, is that in the next calendar year, or however he wants to do it, that 50, 5-0, that 50 people would come to faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time in this sanctuary, in this room. And over the last six or seven or eight weeks, eight people have made that decision. Isn't that great? Isn't that really cool? We can clap. We can still clap in church. 500 years the Protestant Reformation hit. We can still clap in church. Come on. Woo! Wherever you are, I hope that you would lean into where God is leading you this morning. There is an advocate that can help you with with, with whatever you feel like God is, is leading you toward this morning. I'm done. Let's eat. Um, if you are serving communion this morning, I would ask that you would come forward. Every single week, we, we take bread and we take grape juice. And we do what believers in Jesus have done since Jesus was on the planet. They did this thing called take communion. <laughs> They, they break bread, and, and the bread symbolizes the body of Jesus, the flesh of Jesus. The, the blood symbolizes, represents the blood of Jesus, the juice, I'm sorry. The, the juice represents the, the blood of Jesus, and, and we eat and we drink because Jesus asks us to do this. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember who I am to you. Perhaps this morning you need to really go back and remember who you once were, the level of where you were believing and loving and at peace and and living against the grain. The invitation to this table in this church and many others is that every single person can come forward and to eat. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you heard. I don't know what you heard through the grapevine, but here at Joliet First, every single person, doesn't matter what age, man, woman, background, whatever, we would invite you to come forward, take a piece of bread, take juice, to drink it, to eat it, to chew it, to taste it, to smell it, and understand that there is a God who is real. And wants your love to be marked by your belief. Would you pray with me? Lord, we are ever thankful that you sent your son as a sacrifice for us. As an opportunity for us to be redeemed. As an opportunity for us to live into a life that so often seems impossible to live and yet By your death on the cross, you make it possible. So Lord, I ask that wherever we land this morning, whoever we are, wherever we find ourselves in our lives, that you would be present. 
us go to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. When you're ready, I would invite you to come forward now.